I want to thank you for joining us today on the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you didn't know, we have a 24-7 prayer hotline. It's staffed by Teen Challenge staff members who are ready to pray with you anytime, anywhere. Call us today at 888-520-0620. And if you know someone who is struggling with addiction and needs to come into our program, you can refer them to this same number, 888-520-0620, and we can help them begin their new life. We're jumping right back into the powerful and Holy Spirit-inspired conversations and messages from Arise United 2020. Back again on our podcast today is our friend, Pastor Jim Simbola. He's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle and the author of such books as Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Breakthrough Prayer, and many more. He preached a message last year at his church, and he was kind enough to let us use it for our Arise United event. And we're going to be sharing this very message with you today. If you haven't had the chance, please subscribe to our podcast channel today. You'll be notified every time a new episode comes out, and it's a way for us to stay in touch during these difficult times. God bless you today, my friends. As we open God's Word today, I've been praying without ceasing that my words will get to your heart today because this message is coming from a deep burden in my own heart. I've been kept awake at night because of what I want to talk to you about. I walk around with it as I talk to pastors around where I am now in Florida. I'm hearing things that are just unthinkable. And I'm very, very concerned. I'm not worried in a personal way. Uh, I'm not, the Bible says, don't worry about anything. But concern and burdens are something that the Apostle Paul knew, Jesus knew. He wept over Jerusalem. So I want to talk to you about something momentous that is affecting us today, who we are, the body of Christ, the church of Christ, what really matters to God. What really matters to God is under attack right now in an insidious, demonic way. I want to begin by reading a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 6, which talks about, these are the words of Jesus, the absolute radical nature of Christianity. It ain't about going to church on Sunday. It's not about a doctrinal position only. Those things are great. It's not about what kind of praise and worship background you have, how many singers. Christianity is about following Jesus and wanting to be like him. God saved us by sending his son into the world to die for us so that we could be delivered from darkness into light. That we would become new creations and that God's process, main process, would be conforming us to the image of his son. It's a weird Christianity, if it is a Christianity, that doesn't want to become like Jesus. You can't believe in his death on the cross, but then reject his life here on earth and his teaching. You can't have that. And that's what I'm concerned about. So listen, Luke 6, Jesus is talking. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule. If you love those, this is starting in Luke uh, 6, verse 27. Now we're in verse 32. If you lo love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because He, God, is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's the most radical thing in any religion in the world. There's no religion like Christianity. And what makes it unique is not just the Son of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel coming to live among us for 33 and a half years, to die on a cross for our sins, to provide atonement, to show mercy to us, where we asking God and saying, oh God, I messed up, but please send your son. No, we were shaking many of us our fist at God. We were cursing God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed mercy. We're all alive today because of God's mercy. And if we're Christians, true born-again Christians, it's only because of the mercy of God. No one has earned anything. No one's lived a good enough life to go anywhere. If we go to heaven, it's because Jesus paid it all. God showed mercy. So this agape love, this love which is self-sacrificial, and even though it's not love back, it keeps on loving. Do you get it? Agape love, the Greek word agape, which is this unique word that actually Christianity brought into the, into the language. It's the love that loves the object of its love, even though the object doesn't love back. It's, it's a billion times more than the way a mother or father loves their child and their child's rebellious and talking nasty and yet the mother's love. It can't die. That's her, that's her baby. But this is love to the point of Jesus dying for the people who crucified him. He wept over Jerusalem that was going to crucify him. Then he went and marched into the city. They had a fake trial condemned him, hated him, spit at him, mocked him, stepped all over him, opened his back like hamburger meat. But on the cross, he's praying, Father, forgive them. That's out there, brother and sister. 
That's radical. That's not just radical Christianity. That's the only Christianity. By living like that and pursuing that life, we prove that we're children of the Most High. What good is it if I say in my mind, I believe Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, and then I live every day contrary to his nature and his teaching? What, what is that about? That's, oh, that's a, that's a very dangerous position. Well, this radical notion of Christianity, <clears throat> if you're listening, love your enemies. Mean Christians had to have enemies? Yeah, Jesus had a bunch. How did he react to them? He loved them. He did good to those who hated him. Bless those who curse you. When they're cursing you, don't go on social media and curse them back. You bless them. And those who mistreat you and do all kinds of nasty stuff, pray for them. Brothers and sisters, that's so radical, and we've got into so many fake gospels in our country, prosperity gospel, this gospel, that gospel, social gospel, every kind of gospel, that we forget that the heart of what brought salvation to us and the calling we have on our life is to live like Jesus. And it's only tested when you face hatred, persecution, rejection. When you're hated, now we'll find out who's the Christian. When you're cursed, now we're going to find out. It's crunch time now. As the Lord taught us <clears throat> in this passage, if you love those who love you, what's, what's, what's the big thing about that? Even people who don't know God, who curse them, love those who love them. If you're kind to people who are kind to you, if you give to people knowing they're going to give back, that ain't no big thing, God says. Some people don't know me do that. But if you want to show that you're a real Christian, that this seed of, of eternal life has been planted in your heart and you're a new creation, then love with that new love that I brought to earth. Now you would think nowadays... That this love doesn't even, isn't even believed in anymore. I'm talking about in the church. The sat satanic invasion of the church, it, it keeps me awake at night. Oh, what's he doing? We're still doing crack in the church. No, we're not loving. We're hating. We're fussing. We're fighting. And we're justifying it as if Jesus never spoke those words. Everything has been politicized. Everything. I said everything is politicized. People don't talk about the Bible anymore. They talk about politics. They talk pro-Trump, anti-Trump, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Everybody is posturing and taking a position, not as an identifying as a Christian and a member of the body of Christ. Forget that. They're fighting within the church. Now, what happens out in the world? Listen, the world has always been nasty, will always be nasty. The Bible tells us that. Since the beginning of time, hating, fighting, killing, wars, immorality, lying, that's, that's what the world does. But I am focusing now on we who are called the light of the world and the salt of the earth. 
The only hope to see the world change is not in politics or the Democrats or Republicans. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. But how can we be light if we're filled with darkness of hate and anger and prejudice and injustice? How can that happen? How can that work? The angels must be weeping. I talk to a, I've been meeting regularly two days a week with groups of five pastors at a time, people I don't even know. I've got five more coming tomorrow morning and they, I just sit and listen to them because they're under the gun. So tell me how you came to your church. Tell me what's been going on. So these pastors are telling me things like this. Well, I don't know what's happening now. We hadn't been meeting, but all hell's been breaking loose, even though we're not meeting. I said, well, how could that be? Oh, no, no. If you say you're for wearing masks, then there's a group of people in your own church who say, what? You're for wearing masks? I'm done with you. You won't see me in that church. Not because of false doctrine. Not because uh, they don't believe in, in the cross of Christ. No, masks. Oh, you want us to wear masks or don't want us to wear masks? So one pastor said to me, whatever you say, you're going to be attacked. Because people don't identify as Christians. I wonder what's going to happen. Listen to me. Listen to me. What's going to happen in the day of judgment to you? Many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons and prophesy in your name? And Jesus said, I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You never lived a life of love. You were a hater. You were angry, fussing, fighting with my other members of my family. You know, when you see your own children fussing and fighting, that breaks a father, a mother's heart. How must God feel now over masks? I said masks. When will school begin? No, everything is postured now. Black, white. People aren't Christians. They're black first. They're not, they're not Christians. They're white first. They're Republicans. They're Democrats. They're conservatives. They're liberal. They're pro Black Lives Matter, anti, antifa, whatever. That's what they want to talk about. Don't tell me that's not true. Go on social media. Tell me about it. Tell me about all these kind words. Bless those that curse you. Love your enemies. Show me that. Show me where any of those people I just named believe in what I just said. No, only Jesus taught that. So we've been invaded by the world, not by smoking joints and clubbing. We've been invaded by the spirit, the anger and hate, prejudice and racism of this world. And that is the saddest part to me, is to talk to people whose identity is not, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature in Christ. No, no, Jim, you're an American. I am not American first. No, you're white. I am not white. I'm white, I, I didn't ask to be white. I was born. How in the world can you make a, lot, a big thing about your color when you didn't even ask for it? That's nuts. I'm not, I'm Polish-Ukrainian. We lift up the Polish flag. I'm not lifting any, up any flag. I'm lifting up the flag of Jesus Christ who died on the cross. That's my identity. All those other things have a place. But my first identity is I'm a Christian. I'm part of the body of Christ. You're my brother. You're my sister. We're going to spend eternity together. But I want to ask you a challenging question. Why would God send some of you to heaven to be with people that you're fighting and, and angry with all the time you're here on earth? Why would God do it? 
Why would God send Republicans to be with Democrats when they call them demons and Democrats to be uh, with Republicans when they call them uh, the worst kind of names? Think of that. Would God do that? I'm not a legalist. You know me well enough. We're justified by, by faith through God's grace. But I mean, what kind of punishment would that be? Fussing, fighting, social media, destroying people. You demon, you this. And, and, and Obama was the antichrist and Trump is the antichrist and everyone. This is among the Christians, mind you. And, and Caesar, who lived back in the time of, uh, there was a Caesar and Jesus and during the time of the apostle Paul in the book of Acts, Caesar was at times a transvestite. The cruelest kind of thing, and I don't see any fussing and fighting and yelling about him. Explain that to me. Ah, that's it. You don't go by the Bible. This is what keeps me awake. The Bible's been thrown under the bus. People do not go by scripture. They go by gut. They go by their identity. Don't you push me. Don't you tell me what to do. I pick a verse where I like a verse. I'm not going to take the whole counsel of God. A minister, a friend of mine, told me he was counseling with someone who was just full of anger and breathing out threats and all of this. Uh, someone who's been a Christian for supposedly for 25 years. And he said, but what, what, what are you going to do where Jesus said? And he went, hey, 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 don't give me that Jesus stuff. What's going to happen to that person? Don't give me that Jesus stuff. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? What did he tell us to do? Love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. So big deal, someone disagrees with you. What are you, God? Everyone has to agree with you and me? Nah, no. The spiritual condition of the American church is so sad. It's a setup from Satan. He's now invaded and every kind of fussing, fighting, hating, dispute, anger, accusations. One guy broke down almost a pastor and said to me, when this thing is over, I don't know who will come back to the church because they're sizing up everything you say. Are you on my side or are you against us? Are you on my position or are you against my position? So what a tragedy. What a tragedy. I'll be very blunt. It's so sad. It's so sad. My wife and I have pastored where we pastor started with less than 15 people in downtown Brooklyn. We've only had one thought. There's never been a conversation privately that God has ever heard. No thought ever has entered our mind except Open the doors and whoever comes in, would you please tell them God loves them and love them and minister to them? What would I care what color anybody is? What's that got to do with the price of bread? Okay, but we've had all kinds of white people say things to us so insensitive, so prejudiced, so racist, right? But on the other side too. Black ministers accosting me saying, yeah, you're a fraud. What are you doing with our people? I said, wait a minute. Who, who gave, who said they're your people? The minorities that are in our church. Who said, well, wait, wait, where'd you read that? They're your people. Where'd you get that? 
I help more of your people in six months than you do in six years. I lead them more to prayer and love them as much as anyone could love them because I don't see them as them. It's us. It's the body of Christ. In heaven, there's every nation, every tribe. So to white races and white separatists, if you don't want to be with other folks, God will give you your wish. Don't go. Go to the other place. And on the other side, they don't want to be with the man and all of that nonsense. Then fine, be with your people for all eternity. You think I want to be with white people for all eternity? You think I want to be with black people? I want to be with Hitler and all the nasty slave owners and ugly things white people have done. And then black people have no better history. Mankind has fallen. Didn't you read the book? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Why are we boasting in men and in parties and defending causes that, listen, rub us together in the worst way it, it, with, with evil? It makes Christianity look so bad. How will anyone get converted? What do I mean by that? Because we're not identified with Christ and his word and a life of love, we end up siding with things that make us defend the indefensible. Depending where you're at. That's what you are first. Conservative, Republican, liberal, Democrat. No, I'm white. No, I'm Southern. No, I'm black. So now you're, you're, you, you look the other way at injustice. There's obvious injustice. There's obvious racism in that case. No, but you can't look at it. You can't say anything, can you? Because that would make your position look weak. Don't tell me that's not true. That, of course, that's as simple as two and two is four. Vulgarity, nasty behavior by, by leaders in government. Got to look the other way. Can't say anything because that would make you look weak. You're not a Christian. You're a political person. Going to look the other way at abortion. Not going to mention it. Uh, no, but that's the platform. And you're, you're wedded to that. Well, 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 no well. You got to call it out. If we're going to call out sin, let's all call out sin. Same sex marriage. The, 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 the ugly things that are counter to the Bible that people are holding now. Christians are going to get involved in that and defend it or be quiet and not call it out. That is sad. But here's what's troubling me. What if people in my own church end up at the end of life and they don't be, they're not going to be with the Lord? They never, they might have said they believe in his death, but they don't believe in his life. Here's his life. Here's his life. Everybody listen. Here's his life. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Do they hate you? Now do good to them. Bless those who curse you. They talk in nasty. Bless them. And they're mistreating you on social media and all of that. Lift them up in prayer. Does anyone believe that anymore? No, I'm, I'm being honest now. Are there any Christians? Could they please stand? Everything is ethnic. Everything is racial, political. 20% in a recent poll of all the pastors polled said that when the pandemic's over, they're planning on resigning from the ministry. 20, that's one out of five. I hope that's not true. But you don't think it's because they're, they have a hard time getting sermons. No, they can't put up with the fighting. Fighting, accusation, no matter what they do. 
Oh my goodness. And if you don't respond to something the way people say you must respond, you're done, you're chopped meat. Why? Because their way's the only way. That really fits in with Jesus, doesn't it? I'm concerned. Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. Broad is the road to destruction. You know the old saying that we used to have? We still say it. You know, brother, when we get to heaven, we're going to be so surprised by people we see there. They made it, and we never knew it because of God's amazing grace. I'm down for that. I am down for that. But I've been thinking about this. What kind of surprise will it be, those of us who go to heaven, and we find out millions missing that we thought would be there? They went to church. But going to church doesn't make you a Christian. They, they, no, they sang at the cross, at the cross, but they didn't believe in the life of Jesus. They didn't live a life of love. They lived hate. They followed Satan. He was a hater, a liar from the beginning. What a day. Listen. I read, uh, recently read, uh, wrote an article called Are the Doors Open? And it's now spreading among churches or denominations from what I understand. And one of the things I bring out is, are the doors of our churches open to everyone? White, black, Hispanic. Where there's a language barrier, I understand. But do you want in your building to worship with everyone that Christ died for? I'm closing now, so listen. Here's the question. Are the doors open to everyone or are you have a, a, a target group that's not everyone? Where Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden. You don't, you don't mean all. You're not into that all. No, 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 no. As I say in the article, uh, white flight of, of especially mega churches, but other churches too, in the evangelical circles. The neighborhood changes, I'm heading to the suburbs. The suburbs change 15 years later, I'm out of here. Why? Because my people in the church who give big money or big families, they don't want to go to church with people who are minorities and are other. No, I can't lose them. What am I going to do then, dude? Oh, Jim, and, and you and Carol, that's fine. You're in Brooklyn, and the door's open and all that. But what am I going to do without those families? And I say to them, so that's on you. That's great pastoring. You're really a great preacher. This is what you produce, a bunch of bigots. The same thing with black churches. If your heart isn't open to everyone, why call yourself a Christian? If we're not going to try to love our enemies, bless those that curse us, pray for those who mistreat us, what is our religion? What is that religion called? Tell me the name of your religion. No, better, tell me who you are. Why don't we be real here and let God search us all, starting with me? Who am I? Am I some white guy, Eastern European background? Grew up in Brooklyn. Is that who I am or am I Christian first? Am I a Republican, conservative, Democrat, liberal? Well, you know, like who are my heroes? Senators, governors, presidents? Oh, oh, God have mercy on us, please. Or is it my hero Jesus? 
Do we want to fight the good fight of faith and show people who Jesus really is by loving them despite our differences and they act ugly? Or is the whole thing a charade? That's what I wrote in this article. I'm coming now to some deep places in my heart and I think in the Lord. Maybe the whole thing is a charade. The white church, the black church, it's all a joke. It's all of what we've grown up around. Ah, we sing hymns, we have the Bible, we have that. We talk about five-point Calvinism. We talk and they're going to argue till two in the morning about creationism. And we love when someone makes a great argument that there's a creator, intelligent creator, and Pentecostal distinctives and all the moving of the spirit. And oh, I love when the presence of God comes. And then when the meeting is over, we don't even love people that Christ died for. That is insanity. I'm facing that now. Maybe the whole thing is a charade. It's built on sand. The whole thing. God in his mercy is putting up with it, but maybe the time is running out now. Where he's saying now, you know what? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I'm now purifying my people. I'm going to get the dross out. Let the people who are into something other than Jesus let her, and love, let them get out. My wife and I have talked. I'll go back to that first building we began in with a hundred people who really love the Lord, then have thousands coming on Sunday who are living. What? How do they live? Hating, fighting, fussing, accusing, condemning. The sad part is if you say something bad about Jesus or take his name in vain or, or deny the Bible, uh, nobody gets upset with that. But just say something against my political, ethnic, racial position, and I'm going to come at you with both guns blazing. Sad. Do you understand my sadness? I'm sad. I really am. Not for myself. I'm sad like, oh God, Satan is doing a number on the church of Jesus Christ. Do all the faith talk you want. Pastor Simba, just quote the word. Hey, look, look, I live in reality here. You know, there was a church in the New Testament in Laodicea that was lukewarm. It was neither hot nor cold. Another church had lost its first love. Jesus didn't say, well, I'm not going to say anything to you because uh, you're seated in heavenly places and you're the king's kids. You, you, you know, the, Christianity is not cheerleading. It's not sloganizing. It's reality. How about it, brothers and sisters? Can't we pray, make us one, Lord? Will there be people that don't like us or don't like me for preaching this? Yeah, whatever. Let's love them anyway. Let's be kind to them. Because we're not going to change anybody by fighting. And I don't want to change anybody. Vote your, your conscience. Why would I tell you to vote? I've never told anyone how to vote. Vote your conscience. But I mean, aren't we Christians first? Sad. Very sad. Really weighs on me. Because I love the church of Jesus Christ. I don't believe in any denominations. I don't believe in the white church, black church, and all that, there's only one church in the Bible, and that's the body of Christ. Oh, Lord, make us one. Let's pray. Lord, make us one. Take away anger, hate, 
Satan is so clever. You say in your word in 1 Timothy 2, you say, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing, fighting. How in the world can we pray, God, with this atmosphere? How can we witness to someone? How can you attack someone and then tell them about, oh, God so loved the world? We're going to ask you to fill us, Lord. Fill us with love. Have us set an example. Let there be a remnant of people who really want to be like you, who don't hide behind these other, these other code words that just, it just excuses their nastiness. No, I don't want to be nasty. I want to be loving. Help me to love my enemies. Help me to bless those who curse. Pray for those who mistreat us. Help us to be like you. If you were only kind to those who were kind to you, you wouldn't have been kind to anyone. But your love doesn't wait for a response. Your love just loves. Give us that love. If you're with me, just keep your eyes closed. And I've asked that song like my wife wrote years ago, make us one, Lord. I ask that that be played. Why don't we just stand or sit wherever you are in God's presence? And let these words search you. If I'm talking bogus, if I've made up doctrine that's not in the Bible, God will reveal that to you. But if it's true, can you let it search you? I want it to search me. I don't want to be a fake. Make us one, Lord. Once again, thank you for choosing our podcast today. We hope that you're comforted, encouraged, and strengthened in the Lord today because of it. Don't forget to subscribe, though. It's easy. Just go to wherever you're listening right now and click subscribe. God bless you today.